Crow marketing culture and sketchy MLMs have given modern business a bad reputation. It feels harder than ever to succeed as an entrepreneur, even though we've got an abundance of info and tech right at our fingertips. If you feel frustrated running your business, stress over your sales goals, or are baffled by marketing strategies, you've come to the right place. You deserve to run a successful, sustainable business without spamming all of your friends or wasting time and money on marketing gimmicks. This is the Sell It Sister podcast, and you're going to learn how to make more money without complex systems or sleazy sales tactics. I'm Erica Tebbins, and I teach highly motivated, female, and gender expansive entrepreneurs that selling doesn't have to suck. I've been running successful businesses and teaching others how to sell smarter, earn more, and create raving fans for over 15 years. And I'm excited to share what I've learned with you. If you want success without truly serving your clients, profits without any passion, or the next get rich quick scheme, I'm not your gal. But if you're all in as an entrepreneur, want to make a difference with your work, and are ready to run a business you're proud of, then get ready to sell it, sister. If you find that you're struggling with sales conversations, if they stress you out or you find that you're always stumbling over your words or you're not closing as many sales as you like or you just are really petrified of coming across as that pushy salesperson, I have great news for you. I have a totally free, completely 100% free, no catch, no sleaze sales method guide just for you. So when you download this guide, and I'll give you the URL in just a second, you are going to be able to start selling smarter this week. Yes, really. So what this is, is a framework, a customizable framework that works whether you sell a product or a service or both. So this is not weird scripts that you have to memorize or anything really convoluted or complex. It's just an easy way to remember what to say, how to say it, and why to say it when you're having a sales conversation with someone. I think you're going to love it. I know I do. I know it's worked for me for many, many, many years. I know my clients love it too. It gives them a ton of confidence when it comes to selling and that confidence translates to closing more sales, right? So if you need this, if this is a tool that seems like it's beneficial to you, I want you to go to bit.ly forward slash sell it sister podcast. It's all lowercase and it's all one word. Again, that's bit.ly bitly essentially forward slash sell it sister podcast. It's really, really quick to go through. But if you have any questions or anything, be sure to reach out because I want to make sure that you are a selling superstar. I'm so excited that I get to interview Diane Winger for this episode of the sell it sister podcast. And I know you're, you are going to really love this interview with Diane. So Diane is a former UCLA trained psychotherapist turned mindset and productivity coach for female entrepreneurs with ADHD traits with or without an official diagnosis. Her mission is to mentor women who are driven, but distracted to overcome their limiting beliefs and disempowering habits to create a business and lifestyle that actually works for them. Diane's no BS approach combines decades of experience with how she leverages her own ADHD. Her goal is to take you from over-delivering and overwhelmed to focused, fired up, and flame retardant. You can find her at her website, 
which is at bit.ly forward slash DWC website. Her podcast, which is called Driven Woman at bit.ly forward slash Driven Woman. On Instagram, she's at Coach Diane Winger. And you can get her Driven Woman roadmap at bit.ly forward slash the DW roadmap. Don't worry, all of those will be in the show notes. When Diane reached out to me, I was really thrilled to have her on the podcast because I know that I work with a lot of clients who have ADHD or sensory processing disorders, autism, and all sorts of other parts of who they are and how they show up in the world and their business that need a different approach than just the standard cookie cutter one. And really this, my approach goes for everyone. Um, but I do think it's interesting that I've realized over the years that I do tend to attract a lot of people who are neurodiverse. And I think at least in part, it's because I am so focused on helping people with a plan that is personalized for them, that sets them up for success rather than just a one and done one size fits all plan that may or may not be the right fit for them or may or may not be truly sustainable for them to be consistent with over, over the long haul. And I don't view plans that don't meet those needs. Like I I don't view a plan as successful unless it meets the person's needs, who's actually going to be executing the plan. And interestingly, as I'm recording this, I've actually been exploring, um, finding out on my own, if I also have ADHD. So it's been kind of a, a long and weird process, but, uh, it's something that I feel fortunate that I have the privilege of even being able to, um, explore, you know, medical options, right. Even, even being, being able to have access to doctors for a diagnosis or, you know, for a treatment plan and, and things like that. And I know that I'm not alone, uh, in saying that, you know, about over the last year as ADHD in adult women gets talked about more and more, there are a lot of us who are realizing that these things that we just thought were quirks, um, or parts of our personality or, these adaptations that we've used to run our lives are actually like, oh, those are really clever strategic coping mechanisms, right? Not just like, wow, what a creative productivity hack, right? It's, oh, it's because it's been essential. Um, I just, I, I find it really interesting how this conversation keeps coming up. And as people learn more and more and are starting to realize like, oh, maybe this is actually what has been under the surface all along. And I think that that trend is only going to continue, not because necessarily like more and more people suddenly have ADHD. I just think that we are getting better about understanding different ways um, that it shows up, especially in adult women. So that was a lot of rambling, but um, I really do hope that even if you're like, you know, I don't know, I, I'm not, I'm not neurodiverse. Like, why would I, why would I listen to this episode? I would say just give it a shot anyways, because Diane has a, a lot of really great stuff that she shares in this episode. And I think you're really going to like her no, her no BS approach as well. Okay. On to the episode. 
Hey, Diane, thank you so much for joining me on the Sell It Sister podcast. I'm really excited to be having this conversation with you today. Well, I am such a huge fan of your podcast that I have really been looking forward to meeting you. And I think what we're going to talk about today, I hope it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah, I know. I know it will because I have people in my audience who I know have ADHD or they assume that they might have ADHD, but they haven't been formally diagnosed. And I know that part of what you're going to be talking about also applies to anyone, regardless of if they have ADHD or not. So I'm, I definitely know that this, this will be a really good one. Sweet. Well, I think we should probably start with like all the, not all, maybe all, but some of the myths, myths and misunderstandings. That's a mouthful about ADHD. For example, it's become kind of like common in our language now that people will say, Oh, I'm, I'm, my ADD is really acting up today, or I'm so ADD or you're so ADD. Um, so let me start with this. The, the technical term is ADHD, whether you have hyperactivity or not and it stands for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which is such a terrible name. So stigmatizing <laughs> and really inaccurate because people with ADHD can pay attention, even hyper attention, but it has mm-hmm. to be something they're interested in. We'll come back to that later. But anyway, the, the notion that it doesn't exist, wrong, that everyone has it, also wrong, that technology causes it, that sugar causes it, that video games cause it, that it uh, is only true for little boys, all of that is wrong. They're mm-hmm. the fastest growing group of people being identified with ADHD. I prefer the term identified rather than diagnosed mm-hmm. is adult women. Why? Because of the gender bias and diagnosing that caused us to be missed for generations now. Yeah. And we were chatting a little bit about that before we started to record. And I thought we, we were also chatting about TikTok and just like how fun TikTok is and what a time suck. But I feel like uh, so many people I know and so many people I follow on TikTok, it's like, because people are really giving like, it's not just all dancing over there. It's like really high value content. And a lot of, you know, for a lot of it, And people are starting to realize, and I should say adult women are starting to realize that like, oh, these things that I just thought were like quirky personality traits or like things that everyone dealt with or just, you know, personal obstacles to overcome. It's like, oh, that's actually a symptom that I might have ADHD. Like, that's really interesting. I just always thought it was like, yeah, I can't stay still at my desk. So I definitely feel like adult women especially are a little bit, I don't know, just surprised right now, feel very overlooked and and are having a lot of realizations and revelations about just, you know, how, how their brain works. It's so true, Erica. As a matter of fact, I'm glad we're talking about TikTok because there are so many wonderful people who are using the TikTok platform to share their ADD, their ADHD, experience with other people. And they're doing it in a clever way. They're doing it in a fun way. They're doing it in an engaging way. Maybe there's dancing, maybe there isn't. But it's like, wait, that's ADHD. Like, hmm, I never really thought about that. And people with ADHD are 
often prone to spending just a little bit too much time on social platforms of all <laughs> kinds. Twitter is usually a very popular one. Why? Because it's moving so fast. Mm-hmm. That's a clue. TikTok, because it's fast, it's visual, uh, it's mm-hmm. highly engaging. There are certain clubhouses becoming very popular with folks with ADHD. So I think it's anything where there's fast action and you never really know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very stimulating to our type of brain. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. That's interesting to know because yeah, it's a, uh, you definitely get easily sucked into to social media for sure. Um, and that makes sense. It's like that thrill of, of like the, the stimuli of what is going to happen next for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, because you teach sales, um, mm-hmm. I, what I think is interesting is that a, a very large percentage of people who are in sales have ADHD, whether they know it or not, because of the nature of sales. That is so interesting. And I, I want you to talk more about that because when we were emailing back and forth and stuff, I was like, wow, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that. And I feel like just, I know a lot of entrepreneurs in general who either definitely know that they have it or suspect Mm -hmm. that they have it. And I feel like the common thread that gets woven throughout is like, oh, I like, I've kind of designed these like hacks and systems and things Mm -hmm. for myself Yep. to be able to like deal and be a professional and be a high achiever because it, it wasn't working for me in the regular, like nine to five world or these, these like things that I do that might seem like quirky to other people, but they help me be productive is like, I've, it's been a lot of trial and error. And I feel like that is such, you know, with entrepreneurs, it's so much of that, like creating their own world and their own life and their own schedule that it does seem like it would make sense that there would be a lot of overlap when you look at it it, between people who have ADHD and people who sort of chart their own course. It's absolutely true. In fact, instead of saying a lot, most people in sales um, have ADHD, which is true, Mm -hmm. but what's also true is it's estimated that about 70% of entrepreneurs have ADHD traits. And from where I sit, you know, I was a licensed therapist for 25 years. I've been a coach for the last five and I diagnosed a lot of people with ADHD. Mm -hmm. It's got nothing to do with your intelligence. It's got Mm -hmm. nothing to do with whether you did well in school or not. Most women with ADHD did well in school, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's how you learn what motivates you, what you pay attention to, and what, what you require to get things done. Like, for example, um, most people will pay attention to what is deemed important. Mm-hmm. We pay attention to what we find interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Think about that, like go back to, to our childhood. If your teacher says, this is important, you need to read all of chapter two by Friday and you crack open the book and you're like, I'd rather die. This is so boring. Mm -hmm. Now you may know it's important. You may like your teacher. You may want to please her, but if it's not interesting to you, you will put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off. And at the very last minute, the adrenaline of 
running out of time will overcompensate for the disinterest and you will read the chapter. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a classic thing. Now, why do so many people with ADHD end up becoming entrepreneurs? There's a couple of reasons. One, we're too creative to last in a corporate structure that says, this is the way we do things. If we're there, we're like, wait, why do you do it that way? Mm-hmm. Well, this, because this is the way we've always done it. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. Why don't you do it this way? Mm-hmm. If you're in a corporate setting, that's usually not welcomed. They usually think of that as like, you are, you don't follow the rules. You are, um, sometimes it's a negative, like you're a troublemaker or mm-hmm. whatever. And it's like, but now some companies are catching on and like, no, we need these people because mm-hmm. people with ADHD and entrepreneurs, they challenge the status quo. They're mm-hmm. looking for the most satisfying, the most streamlined, the most logical according to their brains. But mm-hmm. our brains are very capable of seeing connections mm-hmm. and shortcuts that other brains don't see. So when we're in a in a meeting in a corporate setting and everybody's like, well, you need to do it this systematic way, point A, point B, point C. And we're like, I would do it this way. And it's mm-hmm. a total workaround that nobody else would have thought of. And you're like, no, I, I got to carve my own path because this things move too slow. There's too many meetings and people are too stuck in doing things just for the sake of having done them that way in the past. And that's talking about the entrepreneurial traits. Like I want to do it my way. I don't need permission. I'm willing to take risks. I don't have to know everything in the future. I like to change my mind. Mm-hmm. If this doesn't work, I'll try that. We like to do a bunch of different things at once. I mean, I'm sure this is all sounding very familiar to you. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought like, I feel like I just always assumed everyone was that way. Like it, it's really, uh, yeah, I, I kind of joke. I'm like, I'm, I'm unemployable. And, um, and I really, and I feel like it's because of that, like, if I can see there's a better way to do something, why kind of like, you? yeah, why? why, why, why wouldn't we just do it that way? And so that is like a really hard, that is really hard for me to wrap my head around. And also just like, I don't know, arbitrary, like working times and stuff. And what's interesting is I actually like the last like job jobs I had were very physical on my feet. Um, rapidly changing by the minute they were not just like sitting at a desk and that I could do um because it was just yeah it was that fast pace it was like going 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 and I used to joke um in February February would be our slowest month in retail and I would tell my other managers I'm like if it's a slow day and I'm bored and I'm saying, I want to go home and I'll just use a vacation day. I'm like, literally do not let me because I will regret it later in the year. But it was just that, like, I hated that feeling of in what was usually a fast paced environment of being bored. Like, I'm happy to be bored at home when I'm watching Netflix, but like when I'm like working, it's like, I want to be stimulated. I want to be doing something that is engaging and stuff. So it's just, it's so intriguing. No, this is totally, this is absolutely characteristic. And because the thing is, I always say I have ADHD. Mm -hmm. I have given birth to three kids who all have ADHD. 
the boys diagnosed in childhood, the girl not until adulthood in college. This is very common. Um, girls are better at suppressing the physical hyperactivity. It tends to be mental hyperactivity for us. Mm -hmm. So while boys are punching each other and yell, you know, speaking out of turn and being physically restless, girls will channel that drive and that creativity in a more internal way. So we may have very, very active minds, but probably we're doodling on a piece of paper or creating things in our mind or staring out the window and fantasizing, we're not disrupting the class. So people just think we're slow or we don't care. So mm -hmm. usually women have these labels that, you know, you're slow, you're dumb, you're unmotivated. And you get told things like, well, if you would just try harder, or maybe if you, you know, um, wouldn't make careless errors. And so, you know, the, the beauty industry, full of people with ADHD, fashion, full of people with ADHD, sales, also true, um, anything fast paced, the stock market, um, uh, first responders, where there's a mm. lot of action, and there's a lot on the line. So there's a lot of intensity, cops, firefighters, military, first responders of all kinds, skydiving instructors. I mean, but the entrepreneurship is like, you get an idea, and you want to act on it. You don't mm -hmm. want to go through a freaking committee. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't yeah. necessarily want to do market research. Okay. If you get bigger and you got more on the line, maybe you can do it. But so many people become small, small business owners or solopreneurs because they can literally take an idea and put it out in the world in days, if not hours sometimes. Mm -hmm. and, and that's so efficient. You know, we just love not, not having to be slowed down according to other people's timetables. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, it's so like, it's so refreshing to hear you explain it that way. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's exactly why I like being able to do what I do and, and everything is just taking inspired action and creating something when I feel like I want to create it. It's, it's super important to me to have that level of flexibility in my life. I wish that our public schools and our institutions did a better job of understanding neurodiversity. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I say probably about four point something percent of adults have been officially diagnosed with ADHD. But I think the real numbers are somewhere between 10 and 12%. Mm -hmm. And in certain industries like tech and, you know, beauty and fashion, there's the very, very high percentage also like um, uh, writing, um, publishing, mm -hmm. journalism, you know, there's just certain fields that really draw folks like us like a magnet. But I think if public education did a better job at understanding neurodiversity, we wouldn't label kids who need a lot of stimulation as either a problem child or, mm. you know, somebody that like, you know, I, I think with an ADHD mind, boredom is a feels like a life threatening condition. Like we literally cannot tolerate being bored. What do people do when they're bored and they have no alternative to do something other than what they're doing? They get into trouble. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have yeah. to do something, right? So if you are creative, you can doodle, but what happens when you just can't sit still? You know, mm -hmm. so a lot of us go into the trades because we think, what is college? But 
having to take a bunch of courses that I have no desire to learn about so I can have a balanced education. Who the hell cares? I want mm-hmm. to learn what I want to learn. And yeah. it's, it's torture to be forced to take classes that you're not interested in because somebody who's never going to meet you thinks you need a balanced education. It makes yeah. no sense to a person with a fast brain. Completely. Oh, completely. That's me sitting through two semesters of philosophy class at my liberal arts college going, I hate this. This is pointless. Why am I here? Yeah, absolutely. And you have a a really interesting background as well. So I would love for you to talk about your professional background and also like what prompted you to, you know, like start thinking about like, oh my gosh, do I have ADHD? And like, talk a little bit about that journey. journey. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, well, I think one of the things that, that contributes to females in particular being late in identification is we are socialized to different expectations. Mm-hmm. So gr- girls are better at, at sitting still. Mm-hmm. Girls are more concerned about being liked, fitting in, you know, being approved of by adults and so forth. So I think what ends up happening is that a lot of us kind of conform to the norm mm-hmm. at, at our own expense. Mm-hmm. Like, and we end up becoming depressed or anxious or just, just generally miserable because while we may be doing what others expect of us, we don't feel like ourselves. So my, um, I've had four careers, mm-hmm. three husbands, three <laughs> children, three dogs. I mean, actually I, I'm, I joke about it now. I used to be very ashamed about it, but that's another thing is we have a tendency to have more jobs, more careers, live in more places, mm-hmm. and probably more partners, mm-hmm. um, the boredom factor. And also uh, a lot of people can't keep up with the energy and the need for constant stimulation and change and stuff. But my first career was in the fitness field. Mm-hmm. And my second career was in sales. I was in sales for a while. I, I was in medical sales um, because it was interesting and challenging to me to sell to smart people like doctors. Um, I felt that that was very challenging. So I sold pharmaceuticals, then malpractice insurance. Then I was actually one of very few women selling orthopedic implants, which meant I was Mm. in, in the operating room with the doctor, making sure he put the hip replacement or the knee replacement in right. So we wouldn't get sued. (laughs) Very, very exciting. I'm, I do not faint at the sight of blood. I think it's all very fascinating. Um, But that, part of my career couldn't last very long because while I did enjoy the high ticket sales and all that went with it, I had three young kids at the time and Mm -hmm. my territory was all of Southern California. So it became unsustainable. Mm -hmm. After that, I had like an early midlife crisis and I went back to school. I got a master's degree in social work. And for 25 years, I was a clinical social worker. I worked with, um, mostly kids and families, kids with mental Mm -hmm. illness. And um, during this time, my oldest son was identified with ADHD. Later on, my daughter and my second son never officially, but um, I really started to notice that there were a lot of people who had these traits, but they ended up being identified with other things like anxiety or depression or substance abuse or eating disorders. And during my um, therapy practice, um, I worked in a lot of different settings, community mental health and child welfare and so forth. Eventually, I was in private practice. And I just started seeing these women, a lot of them entrepreneurs and creatives, 
that they had anxiety, they had depression, they had eating disorders. And as we were getting into this stuff, I'm like, tell me more about, you know, this and that and the other thing. And I said, you know, has anyone ever suggested you might have ADHD? Now, this is, I should be embarrassed, Erica, to be honest with you. But during this time, I was completely in denial about my own ADHD traits. Mm-hmm. I thought they were character flaws. And I think this mm. is a really important point for anyone listening. Um, the fact that I can't tolerate boredom, the fact that I need a lot of stimulation and change in my life, the fact that I changed jobs a lot, I changed friend groups a lot, I would have a hobby that I would be obsessed with for six months and then drop it like a hot potato and pick up something else. Mm-hmm. I was changing my hair color constantly, like, there's certain things that I just thought, well, you're, you're flaky or you're quirky or you're, mm-hmm. you lack commitment or whatever these things. And I, it didn't occur to me until a number of years had gone by that I wonder if this actually is ADHD, but there's so much misunderstanding about it that at first it was like, oh, girls don't have this. And then it was Mm -hmm. like, oh, women don't have this. Oh, it's because you have a trauma history because I grew up in a very abusive, dysfunctional family. And there's certain traits of people with ADHD that are similar to those with trauma. So I just kept thinking, oh, it's this, oh, it's that, oh, it's the other Mm -hmm. thing. Oh, it's, and you know, I just had all these different theories. It actually wasn't until just five years ago that I thought, you know, it, it was once I started working full time for myself from home that Mm -hmm. the real struggles became apparent. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier about like work, you didn't call it this, but I call them workarounds, mm-hmm. call them hacks, you know, whatever, like the things that we need to do to make things work our way. Mm-hmm. And in the regular workplace, the systems, the structures, the routines are there. And you may not like them, you may feel like you're chafing at the bit, but they're there for accountability and mm-hmm. organization. When I started working for myself from home, I had to step away from all of those routines Mm. and structures. And I literally felt like I can't get anything done to save my freaking life. Mm -hmm. I don't know where anything is. I don't remember when I'm supposed to do things. I don't know how long anything takes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had this lifelong habit of waiting till the last minute. So everything was under pressure. Sometimes I would double book myself. I mean, it was just a effing mess. And that was when I said, okay, I, I need to figure this out. Um, mm-hmm. Because I guess I didn't have as many workarounds as I needed. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting how it just, yeah, working for yourself really amplifies all of those things, especially, yeah, when there are no structures or there's not another person that is going to reprimand you if you don't do something or it's the accountability, right? The the organizational piece is, is important because a lot of us, I mean, the traits that we're talking about impulsivity, distractibility, disorganization, poor memory, um, not being very good at planning things or Mm -hmm. sequencing things like what order do I do this in time blindness, like Mm -hmm. usually not on time, usually late no idea how much time to estimate for a particular task, Mm -hmm. difficulty setting priorities, 
So what ends up happening over time, and you probably see this with a lot of um, the people you work with, as I do, um, they end up defaulting to prioritizing what other people are asking of them. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying, okay, these are my priorities, these are my goals, these are the things at the top of my list, I'm going to focus on them, we end up defaulting to, well, I have to get this done for this client because like they're going to fire me or, you know, yell at me or whatever. And you get in this kind of hamster wheel situation of not charging what you're worth, taking on too many clients, doing everything at the last minute. Um, not being assertive enough with your boundaries, and then just being on this frenzied freaking treadmill that feels mm-hmm. like, what? Why did I want to work for myself? Mm-hmm. Like this sucks. Like uh, when you consider the hours that you're putting in in that kind of situation, you're you're probably making less than you were without benefits. And yeah, so that's often when they're like, okay, maybe I need to deal with this now you can take medication for ADHD and it does help, but it's not a magic bullet. Mm -hmm. Like you need, you know, you teach this, you're a strategist. You got to have systems. You got to have routines. You need some boundaries and you have to have some way of knowing what is the most important thing to focus on, Mm -hmm. or you're just going to be running around like a crazy person trying to do whatever anybody else wants you to do. Yeah. And then I feel like it's just, it makes those shiny objects even shinier because you're like well maybe that will be the thing to solve this issue this pain point whatever and yeah it's not usually it's like it just takes you down another rabbit hole of of being busy and feeling kind of out of control you did one of your recent episodes I really loved is like I think you called it like do I really need this Mm-hmm. because, you know, and I see this a lot with my clients that um, FOMO is particularly acute for us because when you have difficulty with your executive functions, the ones I was mm-hmm. just talking about planning, estimating, prioritizing, organizing, sequencing, all of that kind of stuff. When you have difficulties with that, you tend to just say yes to all the requests and then you're scrambling mm-hmm. trying to get it all done, but you don't really know how much time to estimate. Mm-hmm. And it, it ends up being a frenzy, but then of course, at the same time, you're like, there must be a better way. It's mm-hmm. this, I got to follow this coach, or I got to listen to this podcast, or I got to buy, mm-hmm. usually it's a course these days, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I got to buy this course. And what we actually have to do is learn how to deal with our own impulses and the beliefs that we have that there is a magic pill. Mm-hmm. If, if I find the right coach or the right program or the right app, mm-hmm. uh, or the right social media platform, everything will be made easy. Listen, I've been in business for myself for 10 years. You about the same. It, it's not going to be easy. And it doesn't have to be this hard. Chasing after all those things, looking for the magic is actually making it so much harder and expensive than it needs to be. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is, that is so, so true. Oh, so expensive and such, such a time suck for sure. Mm. And I know one thing I want to make sure that we have time to talk about, because I know this is something that applies to even 
people without ADHD and especially women in business who are selling um, is what you were educating me on about rejection sensitivity. And this is something that I see all the time. And, you know, in, in total transparency for myself, I always was selling stuff like uh, th- things that weren't me. And, um, cause you were in you retail know, initially, right? You're like, I'm just representing this product. It's not a piece of me. Yeah. I was always selling something that another person had created with the exception of like when I was farming, I mean, I grew the vegetables, but it's like, I'm not going to be offended if somebody's like, I don't need salad mix this week. Right. Like, it's just like, cool. You don't need salad mix. Like no big deal. Um, so when I switched to selling me, like, and essentially my brain, um, it, I, I had to do my own work around that. Cause I was like, oh, I, you know, I could sell anything, um, to anyone and not, and not really worry about hearing no or no thank you or whatever. Uh, but then when it, when it switched, when the tables turned, I was like, okay, well now if people say no, like I know all the logical stuff about sales and selling and, you know, I know all of that, but like, it still feels like, okay, but is it me? Like, is it, excuse me, is it they, they don't want the thing I'm selling or is it actually that they like secretly hate me, you know? And, and it is such a mindset shift and I see it with my clients all the time. Um, and so I know, I know this is not an isolated thing. And I know it's a huge barrier to reaching our goals. It is probably, I would say, if you line it up alongside knowledge and skill and expertise, Mm -hmm. rejection sensitivity negates all of them. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome or imposter complex and, you know, fear of failure and all that, but you're absolutely right. When what your product is you, if you are Mm -hmm. a service, if you are a service-based, um, you know, entrepreneur, a coach, a consultant, um, you perform any service for a client and you ask them for the sale and they say no, you have to manage your mindset around it because it's almost to be human to say, Mm -hmm. they're saying no to me. Now you can have a lot of sales training, you can have a lot of mindset work, but there's always that little nagging doubt, like, especially if you happen to find out they go and hire a competitor you're like, mm-hmm. I knew it, it was me. Now, what is this rejection sensitivity thing? Well, in ADHD circles, and I don't only work with people with ADHD, I work with female entrepreneurs, many of them identify with ADHD traits. I started seeing in ADHD circles, RSD. And I thought, oh, crap, what the world does not need is one more mental health diagnosis for women. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually not a diagnosis. It is an experience that Mm -hmm. is very common to women with ADHD. I personally think it's very common to women, period, Mm -hmm. because we are socialized to be liked. We are socialized to fit in. We are socialized to put other people's needs ahead of our own. We are socialized to want people to pick us for a date, for a job, Mm 
you know, and so mm -hmm. I think it, it feels more weighty for us when we're saying, I made this, do you want it? Or, hey, I have this expertise, you should hire me. And it's like, oh, my God, I, I, I'm probably going to be struck dead on the spot. Like, that's just, it feels selfish to promote mm -hmm. yourself. It feels risky to say, as a matter of fact, I am an expert. It, mm -hmm. it feels like, oh, my God, that's just, no, I could never say that. It's like, but you are an expert. Mm -hmm. And what if they say no? What if rejection-sensitive dysphoria basically means that you anticipate being rejected and it will be so triggering to you that you will immediately go into a sinkhole of despair like you get a no and you're like I'm a worthless piece of crap it's like mm -hmm. excuse me they just said no or not now or I don't have the money or mm -hmm. I'm not sure or I need to think about it or talk to my partner or whatever but it's like what you heard is you have zero worth like mm -hmm. how does that happen now not everybody experiences it to the same degree not everybody like goes down as hard and stays down so long and can't get back up again but I'm sure you've seen this with people that you have worked with where they're super experienced they're super talented they really know their stuff but they can't ask for the money or they can't put mm -hmm. their website out. I, I, had, I had worked with one woman who had this beautiful website. She had like 10 episodes of a podcast, recorded, edited the whole thing. She had a beautiful ebook. She had the whole, like the whole ecosystem, mm -hmm. but she couldn't push publish. Why? Because then people would know. Okay. So they know then what? Well, what if they say no? What if? It was like, oh, no. So you go into kind of an avoidance thing, you know, self-protection. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, if I put it out there and I ask for the sale and they say no, I'm just going to go into a depression mm -hmm. and I'm going to doubt myself and I'm going to think, oh, I'm no good. Nobody, nobody likes me. I'm never going to make any money at this. I can see if I can get my job back, um, move in with my parents, you know, whatever, whatever mm -hmm. the thought is. But it's tying your self-worth and your mood to being accepted mm -hmm. in a sales situation. Well, you know what, what comes of this, people just stop selling. Mm -hmm. And it can, yeah. be, it can be kind of like sneaky, like they're always working on their new lead magnet mm -hmm. and it just never gets finished or they're, you know, after having a nice following on Instagram, they're like, I think I should try Twitter. I think I just need to put all my attention there. And it's like, mm -hmm. um, you know, you need to put an offer in the world and start asking people to buy it. A lot of people can spend a lot of money and a lot of time playing at online business without ever asking for the money. And if that makes no sense at all, it's possible that what they're actually doing is trying to avoid triggering rejection sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And does it, that, does it that makes make sense. So, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think the thing that's really hard and really frustrating and not, I not like put out there enough, I feel like is it's, 
constantly dealing with like unmet expectations or whatever. Like it, like just being an entrepreneur is having goals and it's, you know, setting up things, you know, knowing, oh, this is what I want. This is what I would like, you know, this is my ideal. And then you could work really, really hard and care a lot about that thing. And there could be a lot of factors why people don't sign up for whatever that thing is that you're selling. So many things. And that have nothing to do with you. Yeah. That have nothing to do with you. And when you look at it objectively, it's like, okay, well, how many people saw it and what are industry conversion rates? And, you know, what about this? And what about that? There's it's, it's just this elaborate experiment all the time, but it's so easy to not be able to step out of yourself objectively and look at it. Like it's the moving parts and pieces of an experiment and instead go, everyone hates it. Like nobody wants to, nobody like believes in me. Nobody wants what I have. I suck. I'm never going to be able to like reach my highest goals. And at the end of the day, like just the reality is, is that it's, uh, it's like literally like in my mind, it feels like literally like scraping your knee, like again and again and again, and just Mm. being like, well, I'm going to keep getting up and I'm I'm going to keep walking because I believe like strongly enough in the thing that I'm, that I'm doing that I'm, you know, and it's not all scraped knees and like blood and scabs and everything, but it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of that where you're like, yeah, I worked really hard on this thing. And then now I maybe need like a little bit, you know, I need a bit more people to even present it to, to get an accurate, more accurate depiction of, is this thing amazing or is it crap? Or like, it's just, it's real, it's, it's a real big challenge. And I feel like, um, it can be hard to get used to, living in that space where you're like, yeah, I might get like high fives today, or I might get a scrape knee, but I'm going to just do it anyways. And I might get a week of scrape knees. And then next week I might get like a really awesome high five, but it's, it's like living in that weird nebulous middle space where nothing is guaranteed. And, and it, it can be very frustrating for a very long time. I love the way you said dealing with unfulfilled expectations. Like, I think that should be my latest tattoo (laughs) because it's like getting, this is really why, and I know you've heard this said before, Erica, that entrepreneurship is the ultimate personal development program. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. It may not be what we signed up for, but if you don't flame out and go crawling back to your job, uh, if you stick with it and you keep going, you become a resilient human being. Why? Mm-hmm. Because exactly what you just said. You do the work. You are just as talented. You have just as much expertise as anybody. But yet, inexplicably, it doesn't always happen. And mm-hmm. if you take it personally, you will eat yourself up. You 
have to learn. I mean, and it's tricky. It is, it is tricky and it does take some mindset work because we have mirror neurons in our brain mm-hmm. and, and our heart rhythms can detect, you know, if, if somebody is, is in sync with us or not. Like when I'm talking to someone, even on zoom like this, I can tell if we have a connection or if they're just being polite. And so part of it is that a lot of people who go into entrepreneurship, a lot of women who go into an entrepreneurship are sensitive mm-hmm. and creative. A lot of mm-hmm. them identify as empaths or highly sensitive people. A lot of them have anxiety, depression, ADHD. These are the people who really have the greatest need to learn how to manage their mindset because you're right. You got to think like a scientist. You have to learn how to manage the fear, the uncertainty, the self-doubt, and just be purely stubborn and stay in the experiment. I'm going to try this. Didn't work. Mm, That's interesting. Okay. Maybe, maybe I need to change the conditions. Mm -hmm. Let me try it again. And literally unlearn taking things personally. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is learned. I mean, I don't think we're born taking things personally, but we learn like, I, I remember being in, in kindergarten and, um, being told don't do something because you're going to hurt someone's feelings. Mm-hmm. Now I teach people the opposite. Mm-hmm. You can't hurt anyone's feelings. If their feelings are hurt, it's because they had expectations that were not fulfilled. Yeah. Very hard not to have expectations because disappointment feels like ass. I don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, okay, the, the market says there's a 2% success rate for doing this thing. So if I want to get two clients, I need to put this in front of a hundred pairs of eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Does that seem fair? No. Do I like it? No. Did I make it up? No. Am I willing to deal? Mm-hmm. With it? Yeah. Because I want to stay in the game. And, and I like what you say about making an experiment. It's like, it's one experiment after the next and none of them are personal. And that takes some work to get to that point, I think. Yeah, it really, it really does. And it's, um, I, I feel like that, that is the hardest part. It's the looking at, yeah, like industry open rates for emails and stuff. It's, it's you, the, the kicker is you always have to do more than any result you'll ever see. Even if that more is just like working on yourself and then it's like amplified if you have, other challenges or obstacles you're dealing with, but it's like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like that is what it, that's really what it comes down to is like, and we will always have to work harder. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know about you, Erica, but I don't remember signing up for that part of it. Like I, I don't think I realized at first based on those industry percentages, the majority of what I do is not going to bring a return. Yeah. Like what the actual hell? Like that sounds miserable. I used to say that I want to make money so I can outsource the things I don't like to do. I don't Mm -hmm. enjoy things. I don't enjoy doing things that don't stay done. That's what I used to say. I don't like doing things that don't stay done. Now, like 99% of what I do is not going to bring the return I want. And I'm going to have to keep doing it anyway. I had to make some major changes. I think about it's like being a fisherman and just mm. like baiting the hooks and dropping them in the water. 
you got to put a hundred hooks out there to catch one fish. Does that sound like a good ROI? No, it sounds terrible, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't do me any good to be outraged by that or to be insulted by that or to think that's not fair because all those thoughts don't change the reality. That is the way it is. It's true. And my, um, one of my best friends, my friend, Kristen has, she has four kids. And so, you know, kids as they love to do to say, that's not fair. She's the greatest saying ever. I've taught it to so many people. This is what she would always say back to them. The fair comes once a year, kids. Oh, (laughs) like, that's so good. (laughs) Love it. I love it. But it's true. It's like, I mean, like that is the, that is the ongoing battle of being an entrepreneur is that like, it's, yeah, it's the, the unfinished projects, the unstarted projects, the, um, yeah, the disappointments, the defeats, the, yeah, the, the fishing, the hundred fish hooks for, for one, uh, for one client and it's, Oh yeah. yeah. And, and also, you know, another thing with ADHD is that we're, we're creative people and mm -hmm. our passion is what lights our fire and gets us to take action. Not because Mm -hmm. someone else wants it or thinks it's important. If we're interested in it and and we want to do it, we'll do it. But we have a tendency to lose interest once the shiny wears off. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more starts than there are finishes. Mm-hmm. So it's especially painful for us when we did see something all the way through mm-hmm. and they still didn't want it. What the hell? <laughs> you know, I know it's true. It really, it really is. And I actually just, um, at the time of recording this last month, I had a launch and I gave myself a whole month to focus on it. Cause I didn't want to be distracted. I didn't want to be doing too many different things. And I literally was like, I'm, I promised myself, I was like, I'm going to see it through the whole month, like until I fill all the spots or until the month is over. And that was challenging. Like I had to check in with my best friend, like every day with updates because everything in me, you know, I got to the midway point and was like, this could be good enough. This, this, this is, is probably the pattern. Fine. Yeah. And then the I was fi- like, 50 no. to 70% of the way there's two different types. There's either you get to the hat between 50 and 70% done. And you're like, Oh, or inexplicably you get 90% of the way and no further. And it's like, you're almost there. Just do it. I'm like, yeah, you don't really understand what it's like. This is an ADD <laughs> thing, but you're smart because you enlisted an accountability buddy. Mm -hmm. when you have that accountability and you're like, seriously, I want you to come over and shave my head while I'm sleeping. If I don't do this, (laughs) I am not kidding or make a donation in my name Uh to, to, you know, something I despise, like and Mm -hmm. make it public, like, I mean, whatever it takes, I think that's, you know, you know, as a coach, that's, that's a big part of the magic is having the accountability to keep on going when you don't feel like it anymore, because you won't. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, this has been so, so awesome. I appreciate you and your time and your work. So I will uh, absolutely have all the links where people can find you in the show notes of this episode, but where would you like people to come check you out? Anything that you um, want to let people know about? 
feel free yeah, to absolutely. share it. Um, I am building up my Instagram. So if you follow me on Instagram, I will love you forever at coach Diane Wingert and it's D I A N N W I N G E R T. And I'd also love it if you would check out my podcast, which is The Driven Woman. A lot of listeners have ADHD, but it's really for any woman who wants to close the gap between where she is and where she wants to be. I love that. Well, awesome. Thank you again so much. I really appreciate it. And I know people are going to learn so much from this episode. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Sell It Sister podcast. If you loved it and you want more, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And then head on over to sellitsisterhood.com to join my free Facebook community group. And as your mama said, sharing is caring. So if you got a lot of value out of this episode, be sure to share it with your biz besties too, okay? Now get out there and sell it, sister.